Hello, and welcome to this APQC Knowledge Management Podcast. My name is Ken Heyman, and I am a research specialist in the Research Services Department here at APQC. I'm pleased to be joined today by APQC Executive Director Cindy Hubert. Hello, Ken. Hi, Cindy. And KM Research Program Manager Lauren Trees. Hi, Ken. Nice to be here. Hi, Lauren. Nice to have both of you here. Over a series of KM podcasts, we'll address 10 common barriers to knowledge sharing and how you can address them in order to encourage participation and engagement in KM tools and approaches. So in thinking about an organization's culture, one recognized barrier to knowledge sharing is distance. What does distance refer to? So distance refers to a lot of different things. I think there are some different angles to this. The one that people think of first is physical distance. So if you're in a large global organization with multiple sites, you have distance between different teams that need to share knowledge and collaborate. They can't always get into the same room and talk informally, share knowledge that way. So you have to address that. And we, and we have a variety of tools and technologies that get better and better every year Absolutely. for doing that. Um, you know, the part of distance that I think we are always talking to people about because they don't necessarily think about it in the same way um, you know, is the structural distance between functions, between business groups. And it, sometimes it aligns with that geographic distance where different sites have different cultures and norms. But you can also have teams that sit within, you know, a football field of each other in an organization that have very different cultures and a lot of distance between them from a structural perspective because of how they're led and how they're managed. Um, you know, and also conceptual boundaries between roles and responsibilities and, and how those different things change. So there, there's a lot of different pieces to this concept of distance and reasons why people will not feel close enough to collaborate and share knowledge. But Lauren, I'm laughing because um, across the hall can be a vast wasteland trying to get knowledge to flow. It gets lost there, so it is very true. Well, and sometimes we're very hyper-aware that yes. the Norway team needs to talk to the China team, but we're not very aware that these two teams that live in the same place are completely separate and don't have those connectors that they need. Absolutely. So I think part of what we've learned as we've gone through this distance is for a knowledge manager is to think locally, but act globally. And it's how you build those connections. And we're going to talk about some of those things. So what are some of the potential knowledge sharing risks associated with distance that organizations face? So, Ken, I'm glad you asked. Here are those things. So one is language and cultural difference. So Lauren just mentioned the team in Norway that needs to talk to the team in China. And if you don't have expats on the ground that may be from one of those countries, you have a a very different um, culture in terms of country, region, and how they communicate. So that's where it comes back to the organization to really begin to to understand, again, the purpose behind how they come together, and then to think through the, the very first thing, which can be a language barrier, you know, being, and, and maybe we have an official language for the organization, but it's how well are the concepts and what is being discussed, communicated, and understood. So that's the first big gap that 
Yeah, so. and we don't want to underestimate the importance of those language barriers, but at the same time, sometimes paired with the language barrier are some real cultural barriers yes. um, around what it means to be an expert, people's comfort level with communicating in a certain forum if they are maybe not the official subject matter expert, where one culture is much happier to put their hand up and share ideas, yes. where there is another culture is more deferential. So sometimes you have to really dig down and figure out, well, is it because of someone's relative facility or lack thereof with the language, right. or is it something deeper culturally going on? Because I think it's very easy to put exactly. a Google Translate box on a discussion exactly. forum page and say, solve that problem, great, Absolutely. moving on. Well, and that you just talked about one of the things that we've seen that help get the conversation started, which is if there is a language, if it's been recognized that language is, you know, there's different, we may have to capture some things and see it in written word to help build and understand better. So that can get teams started. I think what you bring up about just the for me, it's always a lack of trust, and I know we talk a lot about turf wars when, you know, why would these boundaries between Norway and China be so important to forge? And that, to me, is a hard barrier to come across, is the trust. What do you think? Yeah, when people work together and are co-located and they build relationships that aren't just about work, then I think it's a lot easier to build trust. Mm -hmm. Or when you work side by side with someone, you understand where they're coming from in their work. Um, you know, it's a lot easier to build that trust. Whereas when you're trying to, for example, take a solution that a team in another country mm -hmm. built yeah. and adapt and modify that, and you don't know how they work and how they validated the data that went into that model, for example, you know, you can start to feel very uncomfortable. I remember being at a team, you know, one of the, the big oil and gas companies where they said, well, that's nice that people are sharing these data models, but if my butt's on the line and I'm going to decide where we're going to drill, I'm going to redo all of this because I don't trust somebody exactly. else to do it correctly. Um, you know, and so getting that closeness, kind of bridging those distances can be yes. very, very difficult. It's, it's the not invented here barrier yeah. to overcome. You know, and, and I think that the best way to do that is to have some very well understood common processes for some of those solutions that you know and and have that visibility into the process by which some of that knowledge is created um, you know in order to build that trust and also mm -hmm. to have those online tools where people can try to build those one-to-one -one relationships um, you know so that maybe you don't ever meet that person but you feel like you know them and you yes. have a relationship with them and you trust their work on a sort of one-to-one -one level absolutely good what about personal attitudes and preferences? Now, we have to talk about this in the context of generations. Oh, my goodness. It's come, you've done so much research and we've done so much work with the generations. So what, looking at the effectiveness of collaboration across boundaries and, and the distance, it can seem vast, once again, from a baby boomer to a millennial. So what have, you, have you seen anything about what people are doing there? I think there's a lot of different ways to address this. I think sometimes the differences between how generations want to communicate get a little bit overblown in the sort of, you know, public media format of, well, all millennials are this way. 
But I think what you need to do is put a toolkit in place and set up some norms and expectations for communication and probably communicate the change that every group is probably going to have to give a little bit yeah. in terms of how they want to communicate and collaborate and, uh, and, and be, you know, and share information and have and receive information. And, and that's, if you put a you know certain toolkit in place and say we are going to share this information here and this information there and try to bridge those gaps between between the groups and then sometimes where a particular generation's way of communicating isn't working real well to really try to communicate the what's in it for them to to change a little bit um, whether that's bringing the uh, the baby boomers and people who are nearing retirement into more of an enterprise social media or a wiki type of space and maybe doing some reverse mentoring to get them more comfortable with those tools. Or I was just reading an article about millennials and how they don't like to talk on the phone. So they send emails about urgent things that then fall off the um, you know, fall, fall off the table and don't get done. And they say, well, I sent you an email. And yes. people say, well, that's nice. 300 people sent me emails today. If you really needed this and it was urgent, you yeah. needed to come talk to me Why or call, call me. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think we all can be a little more self-aware and recognize those differences. I think so. I love the behavioral aspect in all of this. Is just, so as a knowledge manager, what do you need to pay attention to? It's um, building respect, right? So building respect within the teams, and that's done a variety of ways. But one is through transparency or visibility. We know that's a behavior that's part of the workspace of the future, Lauren. That's what we're looking for. There's also the accountability. So when you say you're going to do something, regardless of that generational aspect, do it and build your respect that way. And I think therein lies comes the ability to trust and so what can KM do? Well, they can focus on the respect piece that will provide the outcome that they want. Great. Okay, last question for today. What are some recommendations you can share to help organizations overcome the barriers distance creates? So we've probably jumped into a lot of this already. Yep. Cindy and I tend to jump into solutions <laughs> when we're supposed to be talking about problems because yeah. they're so interrelated. Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of the ge geographical distance, you've got to put those tools in place yeah. like online communities, like discussion yes. boards, shared workspaces, social networking. That's kind of table stakes, I think, at this point for dealing with a large, diverse organization. Um and dealing with both those challenges and the more structural distance, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the challenges around that, I think the biggest thing is to give a sense of one organization working together and establishing certain rules and norms for communication. I mean, here at APQC, our founder, Jack Grayson, has put certain norms and expectations in place many, many years ago. Like if you, you know, responding to people the same day, even if you're just telling them you to set expectations for how long it's going to take you to get them an answer to their question, um, you know, and, and really picking a few things like that that are going to help you create that shared sense of, of, of culture and, and to help break down some of these distances, um, you know, these challenges related to distance, I think that can be really powerful from a behavioral perspective. Absolutely. Well said. It, it'll build the trust that you need. 
Well, great. Thank you both for your valuable insight on this topic. We'll look forward to future KM podcasts where we address other barriers to knowledge sharing. If anyone would like to learn more on this subject, we invite you to visit the APQC website, www.apqc.org. Thanks for listening.